Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I am Erica St. Bernard. I'm a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist in the state of Maryland, where I have a private practice which services couples and millennial adults. And so we are working through premarital, uh, pre-engagement and premarital counseling and also just offering services that support the wellness of women and people of color. I love that. So I don't think a lot of people really hear much about premarital and pre-engagement, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that would be something interesting to elaborate on so that we can we can have some nuggets. Sure. So, yeah, there's a, a new wave, I would say, of um, millennials in particular. I'm noticing the trend more with them where they are dating seriously and have been for a little while, but are deciding that they want to take things to the next level. We may not be quite sure yet that they're ready for engagement. So rings have not been purchased, maybe not even really shopped for. But they're thinking that we've been in this relationship for a while. I like you. You like me. We have some of the same things in common and are looking forward to building together, but want to kind of be sure of that. And so premarital counseling, as I'm free engagement counseling as it suggests comes before rings are purchased and before fingers are sized and we are just in the space of really discerning if this is really the right person for me and so when clients come to me we talk about um you know what brings them together what what are the what are the foundational pieces of their relationship that they appreciate that are affirming for them that suggest to them that they would make good lifelong partners um but then also to kind of work through any glitches or challenges they're finding sometimes with communication other times with um you know managing money or expectations of what a partner is supposed to be or what they're supposed to do and so kind of sifting through some of those things some of the themes tend to be similar to those explored in premarital counseling but again the advantage is that this is before you've spent big chunks of money to prepare for the next phase, right? Because once pre- premarital counseling starts, usually couples have already booked venues and have looked at dresses or picked out flowers and had cake tastings and all those things that make things a bit more solid for people, I think. I think it's harder to walk away from a premarital space than it is to walk away at the pre-engagement stage once you learn that maybe we're not as compatible or maybe some of these things that we thought were yellow flashing lights are actually red flashing lights that suggest we need to pause and if not, stop altogether. So those are the differences and distinguishes, um, distinguishing marks for the difference between pre-engagement and premarital. The other thing I think is worthy of note is that I'm finding that this is even more um, valuable for people who are engaging their faith in their practice of counseling because they're able to discern not only what they think and what they want, but what maybe God or their higher power is challenging them to be thinking about, not just in this present decision, but in the ways that this decision of who to partner with will impact their lives down the line as they're people of faith and, you know, navigating that part of their lives as well. I love that. I think that, you know, 
I always used to say it is that no one even gets a job at 7-Eleven or McDonald's mm-hmm. without training or yeah. some kind of support and knowing what to expect and how to handle certain challenges. And so why would we go into you know, a lifelong commitment of marriage or life partnership with someone and not have some level of, of training or preparation to support success in that, in that union. And so it sounds like those who are able to identify, you know, before they've even taken the step of becoming engaged, maybe by virtue of having that awareness, set themselves up for success um, in their relationship. And, you know, I wonder though how many how many people step away. You may not know um, that end counseling and say, okay, maybe we do need to pause or stop. But in in that, I guess it's still success because it's not a relationship that maybe later down the line ends up having a lot of trouble and and, and consequently ending. Sure, I have a few. I have one client right now actually um, who recently came to me kind of as an individual client, but we were talking about his recent engagement and how it was going and just some red lights that they saw beforehand that they were overlooking, but wanted to be mindful that, wait, maybe we are moving too fast. And so they have since um, kind of paused engagement for a little bit. It's not called off altogether, but it's on pause. And so kind of, again, in this space where you can step back and really just assess and make a more informed decision, right? We talk about informed consent and therapy as you can make a more informed decision about what you are preparing yourself for and what you're prepared for together really does allow you to, again, have the outcomes that you're hoping for. Um, Most of your outcomes, let's say it that way. Yeah, I think that it could be a really, um, not just healing, but a great Mm -hmm. way for them to be able to have that pause and and one side or the other not take it personally or get extremely offended because maybe they understand with having gone through the process, you know, what everyone's dealing with and why that might be the case, you know, as opposed to people taking a pause on their own and not really truly understanding what led to that. Sure. So then what have been some of your greatest lessons thus far, either as a therapist or in your own, you know, journey? I would say my greatest lesson learned so far that I'm still learning is that um, showing up as your authentic self is always the way to go. (laughs) Um, I think in therapy with clients for a while, when we first start, or at least when I first started, I had a mindset or an idea of what a therapist was supposed to look like, how they were supposed to be in the room with clients. And that tended to be not so much aligned with my personality. I'm not really a quiet person. I'm loud. I'm funny. I love life. I'm like a big personality. And so I found myself trying to fit what I thought was the appropriate mold for what a therapist should look like. And I noticed that the more I allowed parts of me to show up in the room, my hair used to be big when it was natural. It's still natural, but I've cut it down. Um, recently and so but it used to be really big and I had like this beautiful curl definition and I would wear this bright pink lipstick and the more I kind of gave myself permission to be that larger than life big personality version of myself in the room with clients the more energized I felt in the work and the more connected I felt with my clients because I think they were coming to me expecting that because that was what my picture displayed right but then I was they were coming and I was still trying in some ways to hold on to what I had been trained in quotes to be in terms of of how a therapist shows up. And so the more authentic I I became comfortable being in the work, if that makes any sense, um, the more I noticed that I was attracting the kind of clients that I'm excited to work with. And so I would say that the authenticity of how I show up in the work allows my clients to be even more vulnerable and transparent with me. And that's the major gift of therapy, right? Is that we get to create a space for clients to see and be seen, to hear and be heard, 
um, and to connect in very meaningful ways that empower them to have those same type of authentic, meaningful connections beyond the therapy room. I think that's so significant that you mentioned that because it's not only a lesson as a clinician that mm-hmm. is that's important to learn, but even just as a person, and I just think of how many people either have a picture in their mind of you know, not being authentic because they're caught up thinking of the mom they're supposed supposed to be or the wife they're supposed to be or, you know what I mean, the fiancé, the girlfriend, whatever the case may be. And that gets in the way of them just being themselves and by virtue kind of causes the issues that they are trying to avoid by not just being themselves, which is easier said than done. It's a process, you know, to to allow yourself to just be you at all times. But but what a significant lesson to learn for anybody, you know? Sure. It's one that I try to encourage my clients to kind of journey the journey towards. Like you said, it's not a, a sudden arrival kind of thing. It, it is really a journey. And I, that's why I said it's a lesson I'm still learning, but one that I'm getting more and more comfortable kind of settling into this version of me, at least at this season of my life. And so empowering and encouraging clients to to try that out. And again, therapy being a great Petri dish, if you will, to kind of practice what that looks like. Like if you could say what you're thinking, what would that be? If you could be really honest with so-and-so, what would you say? If you could show up at work the way you really want to, what would that look like? And so some of the assignments have been, you know, for clients, dress for your next session like you would if you could go to work wearing that outfit, what would that be? And so you see some of the most creative amazingly, you know, pulled together looks with makeup, with hair, sometimes with the exception of hair or makeup. And it's like, wow, you pulled that together. And a client is just kind of glowing in a way that I hadn't seen before, all because I kind of helped them to give themselves permission to show up as their full selves or a more full part of themselves. I love that. I was going to mention, but then you had already said it, that, you know, the clients you attract or the the authenticity that your clients then display in session can heavily it's kind of like a mirror right and so the more authentic as a therapist you can be then the more authentic your clients feel like they can be with you and you know training newer clinicians which is one of the hats that I wear at UNLV is just trying to help them to see that as early as possible because they're really worried about um seeing their first clients and and doing therapy right and they feel like there's a lot of stuff that they're supposed to do and they're thinking of interventions as opposed to you know just show up showing up as yourself is enough and yeah go ahead i was gonna say we're our own tool and i think we we forget that especially as people of color i think sometimes the systems that we function in require us to turn ourselves down or sometimes even mute ourselves. And so when it is time for us to be on whatever that means and whatever spaces we occupy, we sometimes wrestle with how much volume to turn up, how much do I show up as myself? And so, yeah, to your point and being able to empower therapists at the very early you know, juncture of their career is really amazing. And, and I'm sure you value that work to being able to support them as they find their legs, find their feet and gain their grounding. I'm sure that's really um, amazing work that you get to do. Yeah, it makes a difference in, you know, who you end up attracting as your clients and whether you like the work or not and whether you burn out or not, you know. Um, so it's really important. I love that. What you mentioned creativity, right? Saying, you know, to your clients, if you could show up to work as yourself, what would that look like? And a part of the podcast and what I think is really important is that people are able to cultivate their creativity some way in their life. Um, And so I kind of want to ask, like, do you see that as something that's helpful in working with your clients or helpful for yourself? 
Sure. So it's funny you ask about creativity um, in, in that regard, because I used to see myself as not very creative. I don't know where I got that message from. But in this season, kind of with uh, quarantine and being home, I, I've always loved to color. And so recently I've been coloring mandalas and I've been wearing more head wraps as my hair grows out and is looking a little wonkier than I wanted to. So even with that, trying new head wrap styles, looking at, you know, tutorials to figure out how to get the fabric to do this thing I wanted to do or trying new lip colors. So like little, little, small, subtle ways for me that are creative, but then also giving myself permission. Like I'm recently going to do a, um, like a journal, a guided journaling meditation program that I kind of signed up for. So giving myself new ways to tap into, um, parts of me that maybe I used to do things I used to do or things that I'm curious about. And so, you know, opening myself up to new opportunities with the hope that I will discover, you know, a nuanced part of me um, that will influence um, my everyday living, but then also will empower me to be an even more effective clinician, wife, and mom. Those are certainly ways that I'm thinking about creativity, even while I encourage clients to do the same, right, to explore, to use some of this downtime to find, you know, new ways to show up in the world, whether it's to try makeup or to try new styles, you know, do new hairstyles, do new things with clothing, reinvent wardrobes, that kind of no creative things, but then also I have clients who are artists. So I'm like, yeah, paint, do write the music, write the short stories, write the the stage plays, right? You know, be, be using this energy, using this time as much as it is, you know, problematic and, and you know, concerning, but also to, to try to allow some of that worry and concern to be guided and directed into this purposeful creative process that could be really beneficial for you individually, but then also for the world outside of you. Listen, these head wraps are getting worn out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Worn out. But yes. it's fun. It's also fun. It is fun. The cool thing is to find new fabrics. I was doing, I, our church did a live Zoom call last night and we were kind of chatting about hair. And I showed them how I found an actual old school elastic waistband skirt. Don't ask me where I found it from or why I even have it in my closet. But I learned that it makes a really cool head wrap. It gives me a lot of volume on the top, which is what I like. And so just finding random pieces of fabric. So it doesn't have to be a piece of fabric that used to be a head wrap, but it could be an old T-shirt or an old you know, blanket or whatever, not blanket maybe, but just old pieces of fabric and kind of figuring out what those fabrics can do and the looks they can provide so that we can, again, express ourselves in new and exciting ways, even with, you know, very minimal um, resources, if you will. I'm going to go start digging through, digging through some, um, some bins to see if I can find some fabric. You'll be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, what brings you the most joy? It doesn't have to be work related. It could be, but you know, at this point, what, what kind of puts a smile on your face or, or lights your heart up? I think it's a couple things. So for me, it is certainly my faith in Christ. I am very, very um, mindful, especially in this season. I think beforehand, sure, but I, even more so now, um, the joy and the the life giving, um, sense of peace I get from spending time in God's word and in nature. So my, I have a five-year-old little girl and she and I have recently been going on a lot of nature walks. And so we're looking for things. And we're, the other day we followed a worm down the sidewalk. Another day we went on a listening walk and we listened for the birds and different types of animals in the bushes. What do we think that is? Where do we think it's going? So just being connected in the present moment, right? So we talk about mindfulness, but this idea of breaking it all the way down to just being present because that's what mindfulness really is about. It's about being present in this moment. And so for me, helping myself 
to get back to this moment, right? Like even just before we started this episode, Libra, I said, let me just take a few deep breaths, right? So just to be in this moment at this time, for me, I'm finding ways to connect with joy in that because I'll never forget a few weeks ago, a friend of mine and I were talking about this opportunity I had. I was kind of worked up about it, but also excited. And she said, can you just be in the moment and experience the joy that is now? She said, joy lives in the now. We keep hoping to find it later. And sometimes that is what sabotages the moment of joy is that we think it's in the next thing, maybe the next job or the next relationship or the next time we can go out and do fun things with our friends. But sometimes joy is in the now and we're missing it because we're so next focused. And so I've been trying to really slow down and be mindful of the joy that is around me. Yeah, I think that, you know, I feel like sometimes clients get tired of hearing about it, like breathing and mindfulness. And and we just need those constant reminders of simple practices that can really help us to to be able to manage our our stress levels and manage, you know, life's very um, uncertain ways of of throwing things at us. And, um, you know, when you had mentioned, let me take a breath, I'm like, okay, look at her clear doing some clearing breaths, taking a moment for herself, being able to identify it. Not that I don't think that you can do it, but it's just always nice to, to see it in other people so that it's a reminder for me, right? Like, am I doing that for myself, you know? And, um, I think as we exemplify and the more authentic we can be, I think that if, um, someone were to be nervous, they may not say something like that. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, yeah, let's start. Okay, that's fine. And not honor like that they need to take a moment. And so I think that it's really important to be able to not just be aware of it, but to act on it no matter what um, in order to meet your own needs so that other people can also meet your needs. Because we, I think people build resentment around not having their needs met, but sometimes we don't meet our own needs first and people just learn what we do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole adage that we teach people how to treat us, you know, it has some weight, but I also think we have to learn how to treat ourselves too. Sometimes that's the thing. It's slowing down in the moment and thinking and asking ourselves, what do I need in this moment? And then how do I give that to myself? Because that empowers me to then tell the other people around me what I want or need from them. So necessary. So have you ever felt stuck or lost or defeated? And how did you handle that? Sure. Lost, stuck, and defeated. I felt them all. (laughs) Um, I won't share about all of them, but I think generally speaking, when I find myself in those spaces where I feel lost or stuck or defeated, I have gotten better about pausing in the moment to acknowledge that that's how I'm feeling. There was a time when I used to just try to, you know, convince myself that I was okay, that I was fine, that I could push through. And I noticed that I was building resentment and it was getting harder to be able to just push through one because I wasn't really honoring or owning the fact that I felt lost or stuck or disconnected in some way. And so being able to first acknowledge that that's what I was thinking or feeling in the moment usually um, helps me to kind of get back to the present moment to think about, okay, what's causing me to feel this way? Is there something that I need or something I can do that would change that? And then for me, again, as a woman of faith, I try to pray and sometimes journal to try to you know process those thoughts and feelings and then where necessary I kind of reach out I ask for help I ask for support I have an amazing therapist that I see so that I maintain my own wellness while I'm supporting the wellness of others and so I utilize um, that resource and also you know really great friends in my life and a great husband who's really supportive and um, a safe sounding board for me and so I try to use first my internal resources in terms of self and prayer and faith and then when it 
it's required or it seems that can be helpful, then I reach out to the supports that I have beyond myself and beyond my faith. And I find that usually I'm able to kind of recalibrate and get back on track or, you know, find myself or find my way again or regain energy to do whatever I need to do moving forward. Thanks for sharing that. I think that, you know, a lot of those listening, um, everybody's felt stuck or lost or defeated at some point. And so, and so being able to have as many ideas of what you can try, I think is helpful. And that's why I asked the question because I always get somewhat of a different answer, but at the same time, there, there's a common thread through them, you know, and, um, resourcing, I think is really important being able to exhaust your personal resources or self-regulate and understanding that when you can't, maybe you need to externally regulate when with safe people in your life, um, that can help you do that. Absolutely. So what keeps you going? What motivates you and gets you fired up? Um, so as I said, I'm, I'm, faith is really big for me. So faith is first and foremost. And then I have an amazing family. Um, I have a sweet little girl who is literally looking up to me. Yesterday we wore matching black head wraps. Oh. And the, the joy on her face when she saw herself in the mirror just kind of reiterated for me that the very you know gift and value I have in this season of of being a mom, being her mom, not just a mom, but being her mom, because she's a pretty amazing kid. So wanting her to see me, not just at my best, because certainly I have my moments, but, you know, wanting her to be able to look at me and know that mommy's not perfect, doesn't always have it all together, but that mommy is, you know, a work in progress and that I'm doing the work that I need to do. Some of the work that she's aware of, others of it that she'll never know about, but to show up for her in a really great way. And so that relationship, my relationship with her really does, um, so kind of pushed me to be better, to be greater. Have an amazing husband who is, you know, really, really um, a gift to me. In other, uh, in addition to my kid, um, I definitely think of him, and I've written it in different posts and different places that I really do believe that he and she are God's extension of love to me in the earth. Um, I see how God loves me in and through those relationships, and that's what keeps me going. Um, in addition to the work I get to do with clients, I am so privileged and um, I believe blessed by God to be able to show up for clients in some of their darkest moments, um, to hold light with them, to, to hold light for them and to hold the hope in the space that it seems, you know, like hopeless. Um, but to be able to sit with them through that season and help them walk toward the light, walk toward the space where they regain clarity and regain confidence in self and also for some regain a faith in God that that they can make it that God has not left them or forsaken them even though life has lifed them um and so those are the things that kind of keep me going being able to show up for my family show up for friends and then also show up for clients even while I maintain again relationships that allow me to not have to be on all the time but to kind of take off the therapist hat take off the professional hat and just be you know a whole full me, full of laughs, full of love, and full of light. It's really been a pleasure, you know, hearing your gems. And I that's why the show is all about gems, because I don't think I'm the only one that has any insight to share. And that's why I love interviewing, you know, other mental health professionals, other just boss women that are um, excelling at what they do, both personally and professionally. And the last question that I ask is always around what would you advise someone who wants to live a more fulfilling, satisfied lifestyle if you were supposed to give them one piece of, of information? Mm-hmm. I would say be curious about everything in your life in this season that you find yourself. And be curious about seasons past and those to come. 
I think so many times we operate in a space where we're judging things, ourselves included. We're judging our feelings. We're judging our thoughts. We're judging our position or place in life. And sometimes that in and of itself causes us to feel stuck and lost and defeated. And so when we take the lens of judgment off and replace it with a lens of curiosity, like, hmm, how did I make that decision? What was influencing me when I did that? What made me think that was a good idea? What made me think that was a good partner? What did I learn in that relationship? What did I, what am I learning about myself now? So being curious, um, I think really does allow us to, again, move from the space of judgment and condemnation and woe is me to this space of, hmm, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? What opportunities are available to me in this season as a result of how I've shown up in the world. And so I think about, you know, being curious is a great way to have a, live a more fulfilling life because then nothing feels like it's final. Nothing feels like it's the only thing or the last thing, but it's like, yeah, there's some opportunities for me to grow, to advance, to learn new things, to be creative, to explore, um, and then to live a more full life. And then to kind of define what that looks like, what would living more full look like? I don't know that we spend a lot of time thinking about that. I know we spend a lot of time scrolling and looking at other people's lives and thinking, wow, their life looks full. But to really kind of turn some of that energy and think about what would my life look like on full? What would it look like for me to show up as my full authentic self and to, you know, really just be able to enjoy what that would be. And so really giving yourself permission to get curious about that and to think about it. Another great thing that I love um, to encourage people to do is to journal. And journal takes very different formats. Certainly I love the series insecure and I love how Issa Rae has her mirror moments so I tell clients if it's in a mirror if it's in a journal with paper and pen if it's in a you know the notes feature on your phone but to give yourself some space to process your thoughts and feelings about what it would look like to show up in the fullness of who you are and even if you're still on the journey to figure that out to be journaling that process um, can be pretty amazing and insightful too you know it's crazy we just watched the first episode of insecure last night I have never seen the show before. And I was like, okay, we were like, okay, let's go ahead. Cause just get so busy with life and stuff. You don't sit down and do, you know, do the things that you say you're going to do. So it's been four seasons and we still haven't started it yet. So we sat down last night and we were dying. It was so funny. It's a pretty cool series. And I love that. I love that, that piece of it consistently, right. That runs pretty much throughout the series is those mirror moments. And so it's really cool to, yeah. So I'm happy that you watched it. I'm curious to know what you think as you, as you continue to watch. I think that, yeah, I think that one of the reasons it's so funny is because it's so authentic, you know, you Mm -hmm. feel seen by it and you're like, Oh my gosh, someone else has had this same thought. Like, (laughs) um, so I think that that's one of the things that maybe has made it so successful is that it's just so real and authentic that you can't, you can't not like it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely see yourself, if not in all, at least in one of the characters. And so it's really cool that way. Absolutely. Well done. Well, I appreciate you sharing your nuggets. I think that what what we haven't what we usually do is get caught up on deficits right using that lens of judgment judging ourselves and judging the world and others and what we don't realize is that even if we want to remove something we don't we don't find something to replace it with and so you saying to put on a lens or replace judgment with curiosity is so beautiful because we can't drive around with a flat tire, but even if you take it off, you have to put something else on. And so I love that you offer curiosity as that piece, that replacement to help um, change the way that we see the world and the experiences that we have. So I really appreciate you sharing everything that you have today. And um, I know that someone's going to be helped from listening to this, if not many people, but I do want to you know, just continue to 
uh, reiterate that I appreciate you having spent some time with us and sharing your gems. And yeah, where can we find you? Yeah, so thanks so much for the invitation. I really appreciate it and I'm happy to have been here. Um, they can find me online. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my IG is Your Life's Well, which is my practice name, Your Life's Well. So that's Y O U R Life with the letter S and then Well, W E L L. Um, and then, of course, I'm online. Uh, web address is www.yourlifeswell.com. That is me, Erica St. Bernard, licensed clinical marriage and family therapist based in Maryland. Again, thank you so, so much. And we will talk to you next time, Gems. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.